Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Whenever God's people are about to enter the promised land of their blessings, two things Satan sends, okay? He sends Balaam-type ministries, okay, that have a prophetic edge, and they're accurate, but they're involved in their own greed, okay, and their own occult. And second, sexual immorality. Okay, that's what was thrown at the children of Israel before they entered the promised land. The occult, that's happening. Just look at the media, okay? The occult, okay? Sexual immorality. Look at all the uncleanness going on in our culture. Amen? Amen? Go to Acts chapter 3 first. Before we can talk about guardians of the threshold, we've got to talk about, first of all, being guardians. <laughs> Go to Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> the reason I lifted up my voice, not just because God forced me to, but because I didn't see anybody else out there in the post-revival. You know, we're in post-revival right now. There's no real unified voice of revival right now. And so what does that mean? That means to me that God is pulling everything back into the local church and building up the local church to be the thresholds of his glory. Hallelujah. Okay, Acts 3, verse 18. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets... That is, Messiah should suffer has thus been fulfilled. People think that the Old Testament prophets just predict Jesus' suffering and resurrection and future reign. They don't know that the whole Old Testament prophets is our morning star light in this hour. Okay, whatever shrouds or covers up the cross and the message of the Old Testament prophets is witchcraft. When you hear anybody that says, you've got to read your whole Bible, Matthew to Revelation, you know that they are not operating on all cylinders, okay? Because the purpose of the Old Testament prophets is not just to speak about Jesus, okay, but to speak about this day we're in. It's our morning star light. Okay, come on. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. Let's back up even more, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. You want the prophetic word where we're going? Well, it's in the Bible. For we did not follow clever devised tales made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Meaning there's going to be tales. There's going to be mysticism. There's going to be mythology saying it's Christian. Verse 17, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven with them on the holy mountain. How many people like to hear that prophetic word? To be on a mountaintop with Jesus, the Father, Elijah, and Moses. Come on. The Mount Transfiguration. Jesus is in camouflage in human flesh, and then inside, outside, he's transfigured in all his glory. That's the open manifestation of the entire Bible. 
Yet Peter says this, it is so powerful, verse eight, verse 19, and so we have the prophetic word made more sure. There is a greater prophetic word than just having God transfigure on the mountaintop. Second Peter chapter 1. As to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy ever made by the act of human will, but men thrust, driven along, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So we see what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, even though I saw Jesus transfigured, I heard the majestic voice of glory, saw, saw you know, uh, Elijah and Moses, we have a more sure prophetic word in that event. And the prophetic word is the prophecies of the Old Testament. Verse 1 of chapter 2, but false prophets will rise among the people just as there's false teachers who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Now, how did they get in our midst? Because at one time they were good prophets and good teachers. But listen, brothers, it's so important to understand this. The morning star light is a, is a phenomenon in the deserts of Israel. You could be sleeping in the desert, okay, and then you'll see a light come up on the horizon early in the morning, and it just gives you just enough light to get your camels, okay, <laughs> ready to go. Because once the sun comes up, it is so hot, okay, and so torturous. So the morning star light was the planet Venus that would come up, okay, and give just enough light. It's called the morning star light before the sun came. And so the morning star light of the Old Testament is the prophets, that when you see these prophecies starting to come about, okay, it gives us just enough light because guess who's coming next? The Son himself, Jesus. So we see the Old Testament prophecies starting to click and things starting to happen, hallelujah, with the nation of Israel, glory to God, that was prophesied thousands of years ago. That is our light that something's about to happen. That is our more sure prophetic word than going to the Elijah list, okay, and reading all these prophecies or hearing prophecies or even having somebody like me come through your midst. You've got to listen to your pastors and the prophets in your midst first. First Corinthians 14 says this is the operation of the prophetic. One prophesies and two or three, okay, judge. And what do they judge? They judge the lifestyle of the prophet and the accuracy of it, okay? Because it's in the context of local church. I don't know those yahoos on TV or the Elijah list. Maybe good well many, but I don't know how they treat their wives or husbands. I don't know what's going on in their lives, okay? Come on, folks. You can have an anointing, but somewhere you cross into strange threshold, into a strange fire, and you start prophesying out of your own inspiration, and it's not the word of the Lord, even though you have an anointing and call on your life. That's why it's so, that's why when God says you go in the promised land, take out everybody that's a psychic, okay, or sorcerer, or the false prophets, okay? Because that's how dangerous they are. They are guardians of the threshold, and once they go off, it's, it's, it, they're very dangerous people. You don't mess with prophets and prophetesses, folks. They are gates into the spirit realm, Okay? And so we see here, Paul puts, uh, excuse me, Peter puts tremendous precedence on the Old Testament prophets. Go to Romans 16. So what does Satan do to minimize the Old Testament? Well, he comes in with a, uh, a middle-aged problem, okay? 
of the, the church and later really took off in Germany, which is called replacement theology. And most of the revival centers and the leaders of the revival that I know are involved in replacement theology. Replacement theology is wherever it says Israel or Jerusalem or the Jews, it means the church. And they have no real heart for Israel, okay? They'll get all mad and say, well, that flag, you know, you know, we are the Israel of God. What do you have that flag for, you know? And they may not say it publicly, but they, they have no heart to go to Israel, really. They have real no desire to reach Jewish people, okay? Watch out. Those people are going down a wrong road, okay? Now, Romans 16 and verse 25, look at this statement Paul says. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation and the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets. So we see the mystery that Paul preached is embedded in the prophets, Romans 16. Romans 16, 25. And so the reason we don't see more power in our Christian lives because we're probably hearing and believing a message that's man-made rather than out of the bowels and the belly of the Old Testament prophets. Paul, all he had was the Old Testament when he preached. When he told Timothy, all scriptures God breathed, he's talking of the Old Testament. Of course it means the New Testament, but the New Testament wasn't written yet. So why did the early church have such power? It's because they believed everything that was in the law and the prophets. So why call it the Old Testament? Well, I agree. And the only thing old in the Old Testament is the sacrificial law. There's whole segments of Isaiah, of Nahum, Zephaniah, not even fulfilled yet. And that's what Paul preached. That's the great bulk of the message they preached. Hallelujah. And they had great results. But the church, you know, became institutionalized through, you know, Constantine, okay? And Helena, okay, his mother, okay? And as the church moved away from its Jewish roots, Satan came in. Who, who, what's Satan's name? The star of the morning. And he came in and said, you know what? I don't want people to know the morning star scriptures. So he starts diluting Israel. Israel scattered as a nation, okay? And the church becomes the greatest anti-Semitism ever. The pogroms, Inquisition, all these things, the Holocaust resulted because of the church. Luther says, burn down the synagogues, kill the Jews. Hitler takes that in Mein Kampf when he's demon-possessed in the, the prison and fuels Germany, okay? The church, you need to go to the Holocaust Museum in Israel, the new one they just built, okay? And walk through there, and the first you know, third of it talks about all the anti-Semitism and all the things, the history of the church, what they did to the Jewish people. And that spirit is still alive. I mean, you just you have to look at this, okay? So Satan, he hates the Jewish people. And so he can't get to God, so he'll, he'll try to kill the Jews. And how you treat the Jewish people determines whether you're a sheep or goat nation. He says, Lord, when did we, you know, see you sick in prison? Or when did we, I mean, sick in the hospital. When did we clothe you? When did we, when did we do these things? He says, if you did the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And the Greek word for brethren is brothers from the womb. Yes, it me- does mean people on the streets we need to help. But primarily it means the Jewish people. Jesus is saying, how you treated my brothers, my Jewish brothers, is how you'd be determined as a sheep or goat nation. It's heavy, folks. And so it began in Jerusalem and ending in Jerusalem. 
And so we're seeing a shift now away from the West, okay? The gospel, we've had the gospel in the West for 2,000 years. Now it's time for Israel. Hallelujah. Now it's time for them to come back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So just hear my heart now, okay? So Acts chap- go to Acts chapter 3 now and see the importance of the Old Testament. The only thing old in the Old Testament is the sacrificial law. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the writings and the, and the scriptures of the prophets. It is our light in this hour. And there's too many Christians that don't even know what Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says. You've got to start memorizing it. You've got to start reading it. And the best way to do it is to read, get a good reference Bible. I like the New American Standard because it has a great cross-reference. You read it, okay? And wherever it, the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament, okay? Look up that Old Testament verse and just... Read around it. See, see, try to catch the context, okay? Glory to God. Whoa! It's better than watching TV, I'm telling you. So chapter 3 and verse 18, for the things which God bef- announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ should suffer has thus been fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return, that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That he may send Jesus. See, a lot of people are just interested in, you know, being recycled river rats, you know. Just, let's just get in the river and enjoy the river, you know. Hey, folks, this river's going somewhere. It's through going to the return of Jesus, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. That he may send Jesus, the Messiah, appointed for you. Whom heaven must receive until the season of restoration of all things. You want Jesus to come back? I want him to come back. Amen? So Jesus cannot come back because the heavens are holding him until there is a kairos moment. The word season here is kairos. It's not calendar of time. It's a special set time, okay? A kairos moment of restoration. And I think a lot of Christians are sensing this, okay? But we're not hitting the target in the bullseye. What is the restoration God wants to do? What's the next verse? Sometimes it's good to just keep on reading. (laughs) As Moses said, the Lord God shall raise up for you a prophet like me. To him you shall give heed to everything. So Peter says the entire restoration... Of the return of Jesus, okay, is hinging on Deuteronomy chapter 18. He just quoted from Deuteronomy 18. Let's turn to it. He's speaking midrashically here, Peter, which is he quotes to a Jewish audience one text. They know the whole book, okay? We in the West are not like that, so we have to go back. Let's read Deuteronomy 18. What is the restoration of all things? And may it blow the bobby pins out of your hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> Deuteronomy 18 and verse 9. Okay, this is where Peter's quoting from. Let's read. When you enter the land which the Lord God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found anyone among you who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, that's Harry Potter, all that stuff, one who interprets omens, okay, or a sorcerer. Notice the psychic ability here. One who casts a spell, a medium, a spiritist and one who calls up the dead. Whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord your God. Because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. This quotation is straight, straight from Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Jesus said you shall be 
perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? Perfect is an old English word. does not mean perfection. It means to be complete or mature. So when Jesus in the Beatitudes says, you shall be perfect as your Father is perfect, he's quoting from verse 13 here, which means to be blameless. What does that mean? Have nothing to do with the occult. Well, we don't celebrate Halloween. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about movies, DVDs. Yes. Amen. Amen. All of that stuff, okay? It all falls under this category, and we have to be blameless from that. So I have a problem when some of the prophets I mentioned began to tell me and my other friends, okay, in the mid-90s during this, this wave that when we were traveling, began to say to us, well, you need to watch the movie Braveheart to stir up prophetic juices, You need to watch these certain rated R movies. I don't want to go into it. Just trust what I'm saying. I can go on for hours and hours and tell you about going to pastors' homes and I see all the DVDs they have. And rated R does not stand for revival and PG does not mean pretty godly. <laughs> and not just questionable, there's occultic influence in some of these things, okay? Including the Lion King video, okay? Because the, the monkey is the witch doctor, Okay? And so there is a spirit attached to this digital media, okay? That's no different than, no difference than having witchcraft items and living in the, in the town of Ephesus during the revival. We need to bring this stuff together and burn it and crunch it into powder. We in the West do not understand God's absolute hatred for the occult. Let me repeat that. We here in the West do not understand God's absolute hatred for the occult. So you say, well, I don't have that stuff. Well, maybe science fiction, video games your kids have. Come on, folks. There's a whole gamut of stuff. And once you had that in your house, okay. Now, I'm not even talking about normal Christians. I'm talking about leaders now, okay. The first thing I do is when I go to, I stay at a pastor's house sometimes. I'll go and look at their DVD, DVD cabinet. The first thing I do, I look and see how they drive when they pick me up at the airport. And number two, I look, I look when, when they're in the kitchen fixing something, I'll get up and I'll open up their TV cabinet and I'll see what videos they have. You'd be surprised, the men and women of God that you and I have received from, that God has used, okay? Why are they kind of floundering right now? Why is the revival kind of the high water mark not here anymore? You know why? Uncleanness is in the camp. I can go into it all, but I just want you guys to recognize that you need to de-emphasize traveling ministries, including myself, and emphasize your local pastor and your local leaders more than us. I'll repeat that once again. You need to de-emphasize other ministries, okay, and emphasize the ministries in your midst, okay, where you're more familiar with who they are and know them, okay, so we see here that God does not want the occult. Now let's go to verse 18. I'll raise up a prophet from among their countrymen. This is where Peter quotes from. And I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about, whenever not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require of him. But the prophet who shall speak a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he has speak in the name of the gods, that prophet shall die. Not rehabilitation. I didn't write the book, folks. Verse 21, and you may say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? See, folk, people can get so desperate, such darkness in the last days, people are going to go to the occult or are going to come to church. They're looking for gates of direction right now. 
When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and the thing does not come about or come true, that thing which the Lord has not spoken, that prophet has spoken presumptuously, you should not be afraid of him. So let's talk about presumptuous prophecies, okay? People prophesied about Y2K, didn't they? Get your Honda generators, here's a, buy my book. This, did it ever happen? I can name ministry after ministry after ministry that was caught up in that false deception. Okay, strike one of my book. Strike two. A major prophet said there would be a major hurricane would hit Mobile, Alabama in 1999, and out of that the awakening would begin in America. Okay, 1999 came and gone. There was never a hurricane ever hit Mobile, Alabama. It was not destroyed. Strike two in my book. Strike three was during uh, the... uh, presidential election, Governor Bush and Vice President Gore, okay? I felt led to turn on CNN. My wife saw it. She was with me. Late at night, they showed on the, that Sunday was um, Vice President Gore and who's who in the charismatic, so to speak, you know, offices were there in the background. And I said to myself, what is Gore preaching at that church for? And then after he finished his little sermonette, wherever it was, he leaned forward like this and I saw two men walk up on national TV, CNN, lay hands on Vice President Gore, and I sensed an anointing. I knew they were prophets. I can just sense, you know? And they prophesied, you will be elected and serve as the next president of the United States of America, thus saith the Lord. And when they said that, I went, whoa. Because God had told me to vote absentee ballot, but I just moved from Florida for, for Governor Bush, okay? <laughs> we, were the part, we were the few thousand that put him over. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, I sensed an anointing, but it was not a solid, something was off. You know what I'm saying? My radar was like, well, something's wrong here. I sensed an anointing because those guys were prophets, but they prophesied out of their own understanding. And that was strike three in my book. I said, that's it. I, want to, I started doing detective work. I want to find out why good men and women of God are prophesying things are not happening. And I started finding out it's because they're espousing movies. Well, God told me to watch this certain movie. There was a church in Atlanta, okay, that the youth pastor came to our house weeping and crying because this past, this church is known as a prophetic morning star type church, okay, whatever. And they are told, okay, by the leadership of this church that they have to, all the leaders have to watch the movie by Stephen King, The Green Mile. And so she watched it 13 times because they said we want to cause our leaders to be more spiritually active, okay, and moving in the spirit. And so she watched it 13 times, okay, and came to our house crying saying, you're preaching a different message. I'm saying, I'm not saying these people, we call it prophetic. Let's say mystical, okay. There is familiar spirits, okay. People can operate, okay. People have an ability, okay, to tap into another realm. Does that mean it's God, the only way you know can know a false prophet sometimes is by their fruit. And so what we see here is we see this indulgence in entertainment affected the prophetic movement now. What is entertainment? It enters in to attain you. And there's not this strong holiness message. And these same prophets are the ones that are attacking me. God bless them. Hallelujah. Because they're saying, no, God didn't send the hurricane against New Orleans. The devil did. And there is a fight right now in the pulpits in America. They're working overtime to prove that God did not send the hurricane. But these people are getting up there, and they're prophesying all these grand things about New Orleans. We really want Mardi Gras to be rebuilt? 
Did you know that when the hurricane hit, a few days later, it was, it was supposed to be the decadence parade? Have you ever heard of the decadence parade in New Orleans? You don't know what it is? It's open Sodom and Gomorrah. It is the worst thing ever in our culture. Happens in New Orleans. Even worse than Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. The decadence parade. I, have a, I know a sister that takes out the river truck and witnesses there, okay? It's worse than Biker's Week at Daytona Beach. Please hear my heart. And then the next hurricane comes, okay? And it hits Cosmel, Mexico and Cancun. Wipes out those resorts because MTV and all that garbage is supposed to be there that week. Makes a sudden right-hand turn, hits Key West, okay? Because Key West is supposed to have the second biggest homosexual celebration on that Tuesday. So don't tell me that the devil is that smart to wipe out all of his, his revival centers, okay? And you can go to our website, you can look at a, a message I did on the, on the teaching page. It's a video called, Why All These Hurricanes? And I just go through the scriptures talking about these destructive winds. Where do they come from? Okay? We need to wake up, okay? And finally, pastors are calling me saying, Scott, we criticized you before about the message, but now the hurricanes woke us up. Come and preach to us at our churches. Come preach the mystery of lawlessness. I said, I preached that two years ago. Get the book and read it. I'm preaching something different now. Hallelujah. <laughs> And so Jesus is not coming back until there's a restoration of the true prophetic according to Deuteronomy 18. You see that? Come on, folks. Jesus is not going to come back until we clean out the false prophetic. So you look at Jeremiah 13, Ezekiel 13. You look at these powerful oracles against the false prophets. Jesus, folks, you might as well roll up your sleeves, okay? It's time to clean the house. Hallelujah. Jesus is not coming back until there's a cleaning up of his house on the climactic scale of Malachi chapter 3. Hallelujah. The refiner's fire, glory to God, coming into the temple. Let me tell you something else. This whole tithing message, we're called to tithe, amen? Amen. But Malachi 3.10, you know, bring all your tithes in the storehouse. He's not talking first to the, to, to the people. He's talking to the leaders. He's talking to the priests who are putting up with divorce, dealing treacherously with their wives, and not tithing, not taking the people's tithe and using it rightly. It's good to read the context, you know what I'm saying? Just read it. Hallelujah! And so I've been feeling this prophetic fire. I'm not against anybody. I just feel this fire in me against this strange fire. Everybody got excited. Oh, Scott, yeah, I come out of Brooklyn, you know, got touched in revival, blew the shofar, the false messiah drops said, You got a great testimony, great people, bring them to your church. But now God's telling me to turn the shofar into the church. Then you find out who your friends and your enemies are. Hallelujah. And the whole thing, I'm, it's not a holiness message. I don't even know what whole, Pentecostal holiness is. I mean, I, come on. I'm not from that background. Don't try to pin on me like, you know, you know, take the chandeliers out of your ear, you know, don't put on makeup, whatever. Come on, what are you talking about? Any barn door looks great with makeup and paint. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. I mean, what is all this stuff? Pentecostal holiness stuff and don't do this and that. That's from those people raising that Pentecostal jet lag roadkill stuff, you know? <laughs> I'm not from that. 
And so you have all these prophetic ministries that have spun off. Why don't people get up and say, we were wrong, we missed it, forgive us. Yeah, we'll forgive you, come on, hallelujah. But they're sweeping it under the carpet. People say, well, you could drop dead talking like that. Well, I've been talking like this for years, I ain't dropping dead, hallelujah. When you the shofar, people drop dead. Come on. It's time to clean up the house. Now you say, well, don't be shocked because we read Matthew 24. It says in the last day there will be many false prophets. Okay? We've got to rescue people from this realm. You understand what I'm saying, folks? I, but somebody's not repentant, folks. I don't care how great their gift was, okay? They're an open portal. This is the hour we're in. We need to wake up. Because Satan is throwing everything he can to bring strange fire into our camp. That's his goal, okay? He's in the devil business. (laughs) The wisdom that is first from above is first pure. And if people don't have this hatred for evil, they're not in the fear of the Lord. I understand people have problems, okay, and sometimes there's rough marriages, and I understand those things, okay, and we counsel and we help people all the time. But we have to have a higher standard. Yes, we do. So I believe what is behind all of this scene is Jezebel. She is getting drunk on the blood of the prophets. She enjoys bringing down God's people, okay? She's behind all this stuff. So if God wants to take out Jezebel, he, has to, he raises up people in the Elijah spirit. <laughs> Have you heard that sweet song? These are the days of Elijah. Da, 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 da. You hear that song? Forget it. Take it out of your inventory. Inventory. <laughs> These are the days of Elijah. Babies are dead. Famine. No rain. Come on. That was the days of Elijah. He prophesied against Baal worship. Why do we always... Sugarcoat it. So when God wants to take out Jezebel, he takes out Ahab first. And what is Ahab? Ahab is a, a covenant king who has an anointing but falls into a worship system called Baal worship, B-A-A-L. Now, Baal worship, it's happening today. Let me just explain it to you. Baal worship, Baal, was an ancient Phoenician god, they thought, that would bring the rains and the thunder, okay? And so, but it did not have the stipulations of the law of Moses, so Jezebel comes in through a marriage contract in the Syrophoenician coastline to Ahab, okay? They get married, and then Ahab incorporates into all of Israel Baal worship, which is pray to this God, he'll bring the rains, okay? The crops will grow, agricultural society, prosperity will ensue, but it doesn't have the stipulations of the law of Moses. And that's what we're hearing preached today. We're hearing prosperity without the cross. Come on, folks. That's Baal worship. People give themselves over for the rains. Let it rain. Let it pour. Come on. 
We're not hearing the message of the cross. That's why I believe the river movement came to a, a great halt the last few years. Because they were preaching and living and dancing in the rain and in the river. Come on, some of you all know what I'm talking about. But how much have we heard the cross preached? How much are we hearing the law preached? First Kings chapter 22. And so we see here, let's look at Ahab, okay? Chapter 22 and verse 13. Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Talking about Ahab. Please let your word be like the word of them who speak favorably. You know, people invite me to their churches and say, well, the, can we have a, a, a tape of your ministry before you come? I know right away. <laughs> I like when pastors say, you know, just come to share what's on your heart. Just whatever you... And Micaiah, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. I like this guy. When he came to this King Ahab, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered and said, Go up, succeed, the Lord has given into your hand of the king. Then the king, he had a hissy fit. How many times I must adjure you not to speak to me nothing but truth in the name of the Lord. Ahab is so deceived, he, he thinks the truth is, is false, and the false is truth. Then Micaiah, I like this guy, man. He's, he is an, that's what prophets are. They're open portals of the glory. Amen. Prophets are not just people who speak, they see they're called seers. Chazan in Hebrew. Hallelujah. Oh. Yeah. That's why the enemy is attacking the prophets and prophetesses right now. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep with no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his house in Shalom. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good but evil? Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And he said, well, one said this and one said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, How? And he said, I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Go and prevail. The way God removes Jezebel, the blight from destroying his people, is removes Ahab first. And how does God remove Ahab? He will look for people that are only prophesying what the king wants to hear. Give them warnings and warnings and warnings. When he knows, we don't know their heart, God does. When in their heart they have already crossed the line, they're going to come back. God will then send a spiritual experience, a revival of the demonic, disguised as an angel of light, to cause them to prophesy, to cause that kingdom to come to naught. And don't say it's not happening today, because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why I'm concerned right now. If people don't start getting up there that have a prophetic office and start saying, hey, listen, it's wrong. We missed some things here, okay? And quit sugarcoating and hiding everything under the carpet, what's going on. 
then God will send a, a, a spirit on them. Oh, yeah, God told me to prophesy. That's right. God told you to prophesy that. That's right. That's, that's, folks, this is the work, worst tragedy you could ever imagine. These things don't happen overnight. You know what happens? You know what causes Christians to backslide, really? Is when they see the leadership lowering the bar and the standard. And they say, well, if the leader can do that, I can do that. And unknowingly, they fall away. See, Kenneth Hagin taught us this. And I've held this in my heart. And so many people may not like it, but I'm going to hold it in my heart. He says there was a woman in his church many years ago. He taught this at school, that uh, she was an alcoholic, okay, and she came to services, got set free, okay, and was clean for many years, okay. And then she had, you know, 10 years later, whatever it was, went to a conference, and at the conference in a hotel, she was eating in the hotel with her friends, and she noticed that one of the speakers in the conference was sitting over here, and they were drinking a little wine with her meal. And she saw, saw that and says, you know, I've been living right for God. I've been free. Maybe I can have a little wine also. She started drinking again. She became a full-blown alcoholic later and dropped into hell. Brother Hagin told us he remembers the day that she was dropping into hell, screaming, cursing as she went into hell. And he said, I would hate to be that minister who took his liberty and caused a little one to stumble. So here's ministers taking their liberty to go against the grain of church doctrine, biblical precedent, okay, and church history, and bringing in unsaved people from the bars, okay, having all types of wild movies in their houses, having a lower standard. So we still have the anointing. Are you with me? And look at all the people that are stumbling because of it. This is why I'm saying this this morning. It's because this is why the wineskins keep on puncturing and losing the, the move of God is because people, I'm telling you, you need to hang on to this message and keep the fire burning in this hour. Hallelujah. Oh! Hallelujah. Though none follow, I will go after, still go after Jesus. Amen. And so the warning we're saying today is this, that if we just keep on compromising, who says God won't send the same spirit that took out Ahab? A deceiving spirit in the mouth of his prophets. Now, this is the, the deceiving spirit, I believe. I, I believe it's the God is good message. God is good, without a doubt. I believe it. Okay, but his definition of goodness is different than our definition of goodness. So, the biggest persecution Jeremiah got was from the court prophets. And his name was Hananiah. You ever heard of that prophet named Hananiah? You know what Hananiah means in Hebrew? the grace of God. He says, don't listen to Jeremiah. Nebuchadnezzar will never come here. We are the temple of the God. And now you're hearing the same thing starting to come out now. So the two areas we need to concentrate on to keep getting off into the false prophetic, I don't say false prophetic, let's say, let's say uh, the pathetic. <laughs> presumption, okay, prophetic presumption, okay, is number one, purity, and number two, evangelism. If a ministry is not everything leading toward discipleship and evangelism and their lifestyle and they don't love purity, okay, in this, this walk, then be very careful. I don't care how much worship they have good going on. 
Now, what's interesting about these ministries is they have really good worship. That's where it's kind of, they have, you know, they'll bring in some really good psalmists, minstrels, you know, and they'll have good worship, you know, and, and whatever. And, <clears throat> but you just got to look. You got to look for purity and evangelism. And if it's not there, then speak into it. Try to help them, you know. He's the Holy Spirit. Now, why am I saying this? Because I think it's, you know, I got delivered of devils when I got saved. How about you guys? I don't want to get hoodwinked by a devil that speaks Christianese, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Don't underestimate the power of the false prophetic. Man. Now you, you explain why people have left the prophetic movement and got into seeker-sensitive churches now. Now you know why. Because they know something's wrong and they just want a safety net of going somewhere. But they're drying up. They're drying up on the vine because those sinners are not thresholds of the glory. You say, so what's happening? God's shaking his church, man. Don't you see it? He's bringing forth a purified bride, hallelujah, who's not in bed with the world, hallelujah. Now, why am I sharing these things? Because I believe most of the people here, if not all, are called to be prophetic warriors. Rambos and Ramboettes. That's why you're here. Come on, folks. You're being seasoned, fashioned, sharpened to be prophetic deliverers. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, I kind of stumbled in on this, you know. I, I remember I was in Bridgeport, uh, not Bridgeport, I was in uh, Connecticut at a meeting and many years ago, and I was at the altar, and man, I was there all night, it seemed like. And God was just taking, like, I saw like a conveyor belt coming out of me and broken glass and rocks and, you know, bitter roots and all these things God was taking out of my life, you know. And there's a big slobber spot on the carpet still, at that church. They had never changed it. They said, oh, remember this spot? No, don't clean it. We wouldn't remember. This is where Scott Holtz died that night. <laughs> so the night I died there. Ever since then, I've just had this burning desire in me, hallelujah, to live right. And now I'm seeing the fruit, like people being raised from the dead and, you know, going to the X-Files, blowing the shofar, it disintegrates. One of the actors get born again. I mean, on and on. There's so many things. Counterterrorism. Oh, it's so much inside of me to tell you. 2 Kings 22, uh, verse 8, excuse me, 22, 8. Now, let's talk about this. Josiah's father was Manasseh. He was bad. Oh, he was bad. Josiah succeeds. He was 8 years old, okay? And in verse 8, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Why was his father so wicked and in the occult? Because they didn't have the law. If all you have is a grace message, you'll do what you want because you know that you'll think that God will always forgive you. The law shows us the penalty of sin to keep us out of sin. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king, verse 9, brought back the words of the king and said, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house 
and had delivered it to the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Moreover, Shapan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shapan read it in the presence of the king. And it came about when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Hallelujah. The king commanded Hilkiah, okay, and so what, verse 13, go inquire the Lord for me for the, and the people of all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all those written in it. Wow. I like this king. Now, let me tell you, God has shown me that we in America are going to have a Josiah revival, but we're not going to have a national awakening. What has happened in Israel is happening in America today. Because of the sins of Manasseh, God is not going to relent on bringing judgment to Jerusalem. All he did was extend it. All he did is put it on pause because Josiah had a heart after him. But after that season, Josiah, judgment still came. Judgment is still coming on America and Canada. It's too late, folks. Come on, folks, don't get into this utopia. When we get to heaven, we'll have a utopia, okay? There is not going to be a national awakening. Everything's going to be loving one another and have a massive revival, so to speak, in America. There is going to be judgment. It's already begun, okay? Look at all the things that are facing our president right now since they let the State Department, okay, push Israel into giving up Gaza. Look at all the, look, Hurricane Katrina started the next day. So we're, we're under the hand of judgment. Only thing that will, that will pause that for a season is a Josiah-type revival. And how's it going to begin? It's not going to begin just because of a grace message, because we, we're a grace-heavy culture. We already know the grace and the love of God, amen? What's going to start it is when people find the book of the law, come on, and verse 13, and understand the wrath of the Lord is burning against us. We are talking about the fear of the Lord coming back in prominence. Whoa! <laughs> So what was his outcourt? What was, what was his actions pragmatically when he read the book? And it's the same thing we need to do. That's why I broke this thing on the floor, okay? So it says here in verse 18, But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel regarding the words which you have heard, Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoke against this place and its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I'll gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, neither shall your eyes see all the evil which I bring on this place. So the first thing he did, verse 2, he gathered the people. The king went up to the house of the Lord, chapter 23, verse 2, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with them and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. That's the first problem we have. Most people do not bring their Bibles to church. Okay? Most of the scripture readings people get during the week is during the PowerPoint presentation. The, the pastor will put up a few texts, okay, and they'll go off with his message, okay? Let me tell you something. PowerPoint, come on. There's no power in it, so what's the point? The first thing, verse 4, the first thing the king commanded, okay, was the priests and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple all the vessels made for Baal. 
prosperity without the cross. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. The first thing the king demanded was doorkeepers. Oh, hallelujah. Now, if you look at the modern Hebrew, look at verse 4 of my Bible in the margin, keepers of the threshold. The first thing that will initiate this awakening, so to speak, Josiah type in our culture, was you and I, who are the priests unto God, will become guardians of the threshold. And the first thing is, we start bringing out of the house of God, which is our house first, okay? Our house corporately, okay? <laughs> All the things that do for Baal and Ashtaroth. Baal is materialism God. Ashtaroth is a sexual fertility goddess, Okay? And all the hosts of heaven, okay, burn them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kiron and carry their ashes to Bethel. What's Bethel? The house of God. Why to Bethel? Go to, keep your, keep your thumb here, okay, and go to Genesis. Woo! Glory! Genesis 28, verse 16. Genesis 28, 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, sure, the Lord God is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? That's what happened to Josiah. Josiah got afraid. See, if you read your Bible just to feel good, it's only half the story. We need to read our Bible to get afraid. <laughs> Not a spirit of fear of the world, but a godly fear. Because God is God, man. It's like... This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. Come on, folks. Now, I said this last night. I'll say it this morning for those who are not here. Did Jacob see a house? Did he see a temple? Did he see a throne room? No. What did he see? He saw an open portal. He saw the threshold of heaven coming into earth. Why did he call it a house then? Because he wasn't calling it a four-wall facility, okay, with a wraparound porch and, you know, Corian, you know, granite top, whatever. Corian, oh, granite or Corian, whichever is better. I don't know, sure. Granite is better, okay. <laughs> he doesn't think like that. He thinks a house is not a facility, a house is a home. So, why did he call it the house of God when there was no house there? Because he recognized this is the place he's supposed to live <laughs> under. The threshold where heaven meets earth. Ooh. So he called it the house of God. Now let's keep on going now, folks. Go to chapter 35 now. He comes back from all the years working for his father-in-law, okay? Remember that big mess? Okay? And verse 1 of chapter 35, God said to Jacob, Arise, get up, and go to Bethel and live there. Even though Jacob had prospered and wrestled the angel, okay, and his name was shamed Israel, he still wasn't living in the place he was supposed to. Prosperity and a bunch of wives and kids and flocks will keep you from that place. It's the truth. Cares of life. We've got to go back to that place where God visited us. Ooh, hallelujah. And live there in that place. And what's the first thing God said? So Jacob said to his household, and tell all who were with him, put away the foreign gods who which are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Yes, 
get dressed up like you're going to a wedding. Purify yourselves, okay? This is the gate of heaven. Another word for gate is threshold. Okay, in verse 5 it says, as they journeyed, the terror of the Lord came upon the cities. Now, go back to 2 Kings 23, and let's open this up. 2 Kings 23. Hallelujah. Now, when he read the book of the law, the first place it talks about keepers of the threshold or gate has to do with Jacob. And Josiah would have known that because all good Jewish people would have started from Genesis and worked their way forward, okay, on what it means to cleanse the house of God. Okay, so verse 4 of chapter 23, then the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the doorkeepers, the guardians of the threshold, to bring out of the temple, okay, the Asherot, okay, all the things of heaven, okay, of, of the, the gods of heaven, okay, it says in verse 5, and they brought them to Esh Bethel. Why Bethel? Because you can never enter back into the gate of God, the open heaven experience, unless you bring the ashes and pour them out before God. Okay, verse 5. I like verse 5. Maybe that's my ministry. And he did away with the idolatrous priest. <laughs> whom the kings of Judah had appointed to burn the incense in the high place of the city of Judah and surrounding areas, okay, and also who burned incense to Baal and to the sun and moon and constellations, the host of heaven. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of God outside to the brook of Kidron and burned it. I like this. I like this guy. And the brook of Kidron and ground it to dust and threw its dust on the graves of the common people. You know, God spoke to me. If you have any Christian businessmen or entrepreneurs, you know, we have... Podiums, you know, church magazines, you know. We can buy podiums, you know. You can buy baptismal tanks, sound systems, you know, tape recorders, all that stuff. How about crushers or grinders? (laughs) Call up Kingdom Tapes, you know, in Pennsylvania. You guys got any grinders? What? No, you know, we got all these kids getting saved. They're bringing in their Harry Potter stuff, you know, and this and that. We need a grinder and also some type of receptacle to burn it outside and don't cause the fire department to have headaches, okay? I see you got water baptismal tanks, okay? You got music stands. We need some grinders. That's a good idea. Because if Harry Potter is so popular now, and not just Harry Potter, all this other stuff, the revival in Ephesus, great fear came, and what do the people do? They brought all their magic books. We can't let them just keep it out there and give them to their families or friends. They got to bring it in here and we got to grind it. (laughs) So when pastors call you, well, how's the revival going? You hear that sound? Yeah, what is that sound? That's the grinders operating in the back room. (laughs) Oh! So if you have stuff at your house, bring it and we'll destroy it. Verse 7, I like this guy. Ooh, I like this. He broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes. You say, that's, how do we know that's today? Come on, folks, all these, the Anglicans right now are arguing with the Episcopalians or whatever about homosexuals in the pulpit. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Okay, brought out the women who were weaving the hangings for the Ashtaroth, okay? I like this guy. I mean, this guy's really going for it. Hallelujah. And verse 24, look at this, folks. Moreover, moreover, 
over more, 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 more. Josiah removed, and the original Hebrew is consumed, consumed the mediums and the spiritists and the teraphim and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and Jerusalem that he might confirm the words of the law. What's the words of the law? Deuteronomy 8. We just read 18. We just read that. Until there's a restoration revival like this, Jesus can't come back. And you and I are the prophets and prophetesses to do it. Verse 25, and before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all his soul and all his might according to all the law of Moses, nor did any arise after him. However, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath from which his anger burned against Judah because all the provocations Manasseh, which is his father, had done. Okay, folks, that's where we're at right now. If you travel around the world, you'll notice that most of the stuff that gets exported by America is not just Coca-Cola, Okay. It's the filth of Hollywood. Okay, and you'll notice that, and you'll be, you can understand why a lot of countries right now uh, don't like America. And it's not because of George W. Bush, okay? Let's include with 2 Chronicles 34. 2 Chronicles 34 and verse 9. 34 9, talking about Josiah again, but notice here in verse. Eight, he's repairing the house of his God, right? And they came, Second Chronicles 34, 9. And they came to Hilkiah the high priest and delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which is the Levites, the doorkeepers. Now, the only people you should be tithing and giving to are people that are guarding guardians of the threshold. You just don't give to the New Orleans, you know, Katrina fund Red Cross. I mean, come on, folks. I'd rather give to 700 Club, CBN, what Pat Robertson's doing, that Operation Blessing, because they're preaching the gospel. Amen. Not just taking care of the people. But anyway, this really brings down, I want the most return for my hard-earned dollars. How about you? And God's economy is different than our economy. So I'm, what I've been doing is sowing into the doorkeepers. Okay, what are doorkeepers? They are people who, the original Hebrew is called the guardians of the threshold. What threshold? What we've been talking about. So you got to find, if you don't live in this area, if you do live in this area, you got to find a place like this, okay, where people are having, they allow spontaneous worship like this to go on. Amen? And that are preaching a message that is confrontational, okay? That's causing people to grind the dust, hallelujah, they're idols, glory to God. Those are the people that are being trusted with your tithes and offerings. And that's where you'll get your biggest blessing from. Don't you like this word, guardians of the threshold? Now, did anybody here know the, the prophet that was prophesying during... Josiah's revival. Jeremiah was one. Did you know who the other prophet was? Zephaniah. Go with me. Come on. Let's look at Zephaniah real quick. It'll blow your socks off, man. Zephaniah. um, Right before, uh, let's see here. Go to Malachi. Zechariah, about four books. Okay, go to Malachi, make a left-hand turn, find Zephaniah. <laughs> I love it. 
And that's why people say, oh, don't. Oh, Brother Scott, you're preaching from the Old Testament too much. I mean, you're a dingling. You need a ding. Come on. I mean, <laughs> what? We're talking about Bible here. We're talking about New Testament precedent. We're talking about bringing to light what is the foundation of the New Testament. That's why this foundational cement truck drove by. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it was all white, too. <laughs> Zephaniah 1.1. 1, 1. The word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, okay, son of Gedaliah, of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of who? Josiah. And look what God said. I will completely remove all things from the face of the earth. <laughs> now, look at verse 6. This is the problem that Josiah had. Verse 6. And those who have turned back from following the Lord, and those who have not sought the Lord or inquired of him, be silent before the Lord God. The day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guest. Then it will come about on that day that the Lord's sacrifice, and I'll punish the princes, the king's sons, and all who clothe themselves with foreign garments. Verse 9, I will punish on that day all those who leap on the temple, what? Threshold. So why did he appoint the Levites to be the guardians of the threshold? Are you ready for this now, folks? There's an ancient cultic practice that has crept into the church today that we need to remove. It's called carrying your bride across the threshold. Maybe your husband did it to you, okay? Maybe you did it to your wife, okay? But you know that thing about picking up your wife and carrying her across the threshold into the wedding suite? Come on, folks. That was an ancient practice of the Malcolm sect, okay? It was a cultic practice, a superstition. And God was going to punish all those priests who were allowing this to happen, that were not properly guarding the thresholds of God's house. Verse 12. It will come about at that time that I'll search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. This is, this is the prophet during Zephaniah's time. I mean, during, during Josiah's time. So well, how do people get lethargic, stagnant, real simple, the occult? Did you know the occult will dull you? You may not get possessed, but it will, it will, it will dull you. You know when Paul went to Athens, he saw the city full of idols? You know what the scripture says? It says he was provoked. Remember that? In his spirit. You know what the original Greek word is? He was sharpened. <laughs> he looked around and saw all the paganism and he sharpened himself. Hallelujah. To take it on. If you are not personally taking on the occult, that means you are under its influence somehow. Well, we don't have the alcohol going around here, you know. Come on, I mean, we got, you know, I'm not in Haiti. I ain't talking about Haiti. Well, God loves New Orleans. Well, God loves New Orleans, but he sure hates that voodoo center there. Look at verse 4 of chapter 2. Why do we, I believe that we're in a Josiah time right now? Because what happened, look, verse 4. 
Gaza will be abandoned. Right there, disengagement, right there. Ashkelon's the next city up. That's the next thing that's going to happen. But you see it, folks? Gaza will be abandoned during this time of Zephaniah's rebuke, which is Josiah's uh, reform or revolt against the pathetic male cult prostitute psychic headquarters in the temple of God. Oh, glory to God. Verse 4. Well, let's start at verse 1 of chapter 3 as we conclude. Woe to her is rebellious and defiled. The tyrannical city. She heeded no voice. She accepted no instruction. She did not trust in the Lord. She did not draw near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are wolves at evening. I met some of them. They leave nothing for mourning. Her prophets are reckless, treacherous men. Her priests have profaned the sanctuary. They've done violence to the law. The Lord is righteous within her. He will do it when judges. Every morning he brings justice to light. He does not fail. On and on and on, okay? Verse 9. Then I will give this people purified lips. Verse 12. But I will leave you among a humble, a lowly people. They'll take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will not do wrong, nor tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths. They shall feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. Ah! The modern Hebrew is rena. Scream for joy, O daughter of Zion. Hallelujah. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Exclamation point after exclamation point on that one. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, your Lord, is in your midst. He will fear disaster no more. In that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, the victorious warrior. He'll exult over you with joy. He'll be quiet in his love. He'll rejoice over you with ah, ear-ringing cries of joy. New Jewish Publication Society says he will soothe you in his love. That was what Josiah's revival was all about. A interim period before judgment came, before disaster came. However long it was, great, hallelujah. That's where we are right now. God is looking for a purified lips people. Remember, Isaiah got caught up in the glory. Isaiah was a threshold, guardian of the threshold. And the first thing that he said is, I'm a man of unclean lips. The first thing that happened to him, they put the angel put a, coal on his lips. He'll start speaking right. Hallelujah.
want to thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. Shalom, friends. This is Scott Holtz with Rivers in the Desert. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www. Dot flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom.